and welcome to the very first Matters Educational podcast. For this first episode, I spoke to Fiona Foreman, a primary school teacher who co-created the Weaving Wellbeing program for children in primary schools from second class to sixth class. Fiona talked about her background as a teacher, how she defines well-being, and she went into detail about the Weaving Wellbeing program. Fiona also discussed what she views as the challenges for primary and secondary teachers in today's climate, as well as a number of other teaching-related topics. Hi Fiona. Hi Dara. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks a million. Really looking forward to the, the opportunity now to talk. Um, so I'm really delighted to have the opportunity. I love talking about well-being. So um, thanks very much for asking me in today. Great. So we'll, we'll go straight into it. So yeah. uh, the first thing I'll, I'll ask you is just maybe tell me a bit about your background as a teacher. Okay, so I qualified as a teacher, I hate to say the year because it's so long ago, 1987. So this is my 32nd year teaching. Um, I, uh, as I said, it's, it's hard to believe because um, it's gone by so fast. Okay. So I qualified from Pats, St. Patrick's College in Drumcondra in 1987. Uh, since then I've, th- I've taught all year levels, junior infants right up to sixth. And I'm currently teaching uh, special needs in Malahide at the moment. And I have to say, in all those 32 years... Um, in the last few years, it's been I've been enjoying my job more than ever, which is great to be able to say. I think at this st- stage of my career, to be able to say that, so mm, it's, good, it's a good stage to be at. I think that's good. Tell me a bit about your um, experience in St Patrick's College and your initial teacher yeah, training. Yeah, well, we at that stage it was three years, and it was I suppose it was very short when you think about it. I think it's it's gone a lot longer now. Is it four years? Four now? years now. Yeah. Uh, so we did three years. Our teaching practices probably weren't as long, and I suppose <laughs> are you ever prepared to go out in, into the classroom? You probably aren't. You you, you kind to learn don't you on the job a lot there's a only lot so much you can learn from the there's college only so much you can a learn. lot of it is experience exactly and sometimes I look back on all the theories and think you know god I certainly wasn't referring to them in my early days you know I nearly yeah. want to refresh on a lot of them at this stage but uh, I loved my time in Bats absolutely loved it really really uh, made friends there that I, I still have um, and yeah I just really loved the, that initial teacher training you know so great. it was great yeah um, so you are the co-creator of the Weaving Wellbeing Programme, but before I ask you about that programme, could you define the term wellbeing for me, or what is your de- definition of the term wellbeing? Yeah, that's a great question, Dara, because like wellbeing, we talk a lot about it, we don't often get the chance to actually sit down and, and discuss what does it mean, and it can be quite abstract. So to put a more concrete definition on it, there's a, there's a few definitions out there, I suppose, when I think about it myself, I, I think about that, the idea of you know, feeling as good as possible about yourself across all the different de- dimensions of your life, you know, your physical, your social, your emotional, spiritual, um, me- mental. So the different dimensions. Uh, there are a lot of different um, definitions of well-being. So I suppose one of the most common ones is from the World Health Organization, which is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully and is able to make a contribution to his or her own community. And when we were devising the the Weaving Wellbeing Programme, that's what we based, that's the definition we based the programme on because we wanted a starting point of what is wellbeing. Before before you can enhance it, you have to understand what it actually means. And, uh, you know, then we, and we wanted to give that language to children. So um, we came up with a, you know, a child version of that, a child-centred version of it, which is, 
Well-being means feeling good and strong in our minds and bodies, having energy, getting along with and helping others, knowing our strengths and feeling proud because we are doing our best. It means we can cope with the little problems and disappointments of life. It means enjoying life, being grateful for what we have and accepting ourselves just as we are. So there's a lot in that. Um, you can see it's reflecting the, the World Health Organization definition and the concepts, the different dimensions are there. And also a very, very pivotal part of well-being is the concept of resilience. Mm -hmm. so that's in there, the idea of coping with the ups and downs in life. And also the idea that it's about contributing. It's not just about um, your own personal well-being. It's about making a contribution to to um, wider society. And, and just one other thing about well-being, I think it's important to, to kind of... Um, outline is that it's affected by many different things it is multi it's multi-dimensional but it's a complex um concept that's influenced by um genetics it's also influenced by life circumstances and it's also influenced by your daily activities so some of those we don't have control over we don't have control over genetics uh, life circumstances we as adults we have control over but as teachers uh, we don't often have control over you know what's happening in the in the lives of our children we have control over our classroom environment and our classroom atmosphere so I suppose the main thing that we have control over is those daily activities and that's where the weaving well-being pro uh, program comes in so it's very much about teaching and learning what are those activities that can influence our well-being but to be also aware there's more to well-being than that as well it's a larger concept so Okay. A lot going on there for well-being. <laughs> and what was it that initially um, piqued your interest in well-being, specifically for children? What inspired you yeah. to get uh, involved? Getting involved. Um, I suppose when I started teaching, well-being wasn't a word. <laughs> it wasn't out as a, as a concept in 1987. Um, it's quite it's quite a new word, isn't it? Uh, that, uh, you know, it's relatively new. Relatively it's, new. It's in the vernacular in only vernacular. recently, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So... I suppose I always knew intuitively, as a lot of teachers do, that I was interested in children's emotional development and their social development. Mm -hmm. And I, I saw very early on as a teacher that that was really what underpinned all other aspects of their, their de development and their potential. So if you could get their, you know, if you could get them, look after them emotionally and socially and, you know, all those areas of their well-being that, you know, the knock-on effect was, was, was massive, really. Do you know what I mean? So I was always very much tuned into that aspect of their development uh, and then I discovered um, the field of positive psychology which is the science of well-being uh, quite a new science it, it only started in 19 in the late 90s uh, by Martin Seligman so when I discovered the science of well-being positive psychology I was I was thrilled I discovered it myself in 2011 through a teacher course so having been so interested in, in it in an informal level to realize there was a whole field there uh, science, uh, where there was research, where there were theories, where there were strategies, where there was a structure. Um, I was just thrilled. So, you know, I started my studies then um, and I finished, I started a master's in it in 2014 with the University of East London. Um, I don't think there are masters available as yet in Ireland. Maybe they are, maybe there are now, but there wasn't then in positive psychology, applied positive psychology. So I started that in 2014 and finished that in 2017 and the Weaving Wellbeing programme is based on that. So yeah, so my, my journey, I suppose, uh, informally started when I started teaching, but, mm. you know, really went to a new level when I discovered that um, field of positive psychology. And just to stay with the topic of well-being, um, we've you've spoken a lot about you've spoken a lot about uh, well-being for children, but do you think that the well-being of school staff 
would be enough of a priority for the Department of Education at yeah, the moment? Another, another great question. And again, my starting point for wellbeing was with children because I was, um, you know, I am a teacher, classroom teacher, when I was starting the programme. And the more I studied, the more I realised that actually um, wellbeing in school starts with teachers, you know. So really, we have to, it's the idea of self-care is not selfish. You cannot pour from an empty cup. That's a great quote, and it's so so true. Um, so I do I do a lot of work with teachers now as well, and uh, working on teacher well-being. But I don't feel there is a joined-up approach from the department. Uh, definitely not. Um, I I don't know if the research is out there. I mean, the research is there to show that well-being in schools starts with teacher well-being. They're they're so interconnected. The well-being of children is very connected to the well-being of their teacher. Uh, so I think as maybe as the research, you know, comes more to the fore. The department will maybe, um, you know, roll out more initiatives. But at the moment, I, I don't think it, it gets enough attention or gets enough priority. Um, I think, you know, certainly, you know, the department, we're, we're under a lot of pressure, aren't we, as teachers? There's a lot of new policies, there's a lot of new planning. So, initiative you know, overload. Initiative overload. And sometimes I think, will somebody ever stop and say, you know, can we consider the wellbeing of teachers here before we unroll something out, not just because teacher wellbeing is important in its own right, but because in actual fact it actually will impact the children as well. And it will impact those learning outcomes because if the teacher is not working to their full potential for whatever reason or feels overloaded no more than a child, they can't they can't do their job uh, fully, you know, properly yeah. anyway. So and the last thing a teacher or any member of school staff needs is to experience burnout. Exactly. As well burnout, stress. And I mean as I said I'm very, very happy in my job. That's not to say it's not a very challenging job. It is very, very challenging, and, and the challenges are growing uh, year to year. So I definitely think something needs to be put in place to give teachers no more than the children skills, strategies to, to help themselves, and also to look at workload and to look at policies and plannings and to see, look, is there something that we can do here? What impact is it having? And, you know, is this something we need to consider, um, you know, on a more um, generalised level, I suppose, more official level? Okay, so uh, we'll go back to your uh, to the Weaving Wellbeing program that you uh, co-authored. Um, can you tell me a bit about uh, the program? I know you've talked about wellbeing in general, but maybe if you can go into a bit of detail about the program, for example, what is it designed to do? I know you mentioned resilience, uh, but if you can go into a bit more detail. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, so I started developing the Weaving Wellbeing program. It very much came from my work in the classroom. I, I had started the Masters. I was, was coming across great research, I was coming across great strategies and initiatives, which I was using myself, and I just thought, you know, I need, I need to be using these with the kids, and I got a great response from the kids, parents, other teachers. Uh, at that point, I started to work with my co-author, Mick Rock, who had just done, had just finished a master's in positive psychology, and was also interested in, in developing educational programs, so we began to work together then at that point. So it was very much trying to marry the theory and the practice together. Uh, the aim of the programme is to give children the skills and strategies uh, from positive psychology that they can use in a practical level to help them to become uh, resilient and flourishing uh, members of society. Um, <laughs> quite a broad aim. So uh, we, we looked at the field of positive psychology. Uh, one of the main theories in positive psychology is Martin Seligman's PERMA theory. So it's, it's a great, again, a lovely uh, concrete structure on which to base any kind of um, positive psychology program. So he, he basically outlines five different uh, sources of well-being. So positive emotions, uh, engagement, um, relationships, a really important one, 
meaning and achievement. So we, we looked at all those and, and, and looked at where we could put them in a program, uh, what, you know, in a child-centered way, where would, where would we best put those different components. So we, we laid out a, a structure. Um, in second class, we introduced children to their character strengths, which is part of the engagement part of positive psychology. There's 24 character strengths in positive psychology, so we wanted to get them in as early as possible. So children learn about the 24 strengths in second class. They repeat it all the way up. And they identify their top five at the end of that program, and the idea is to use to identify and use your your strengths. It's a strengths-based approach. Uh, in third class, then we focus on positive emotions. So positive emotions are very powerful uh, indicator of well-being. So emotions like joy, tranquility, admiration, awe, pride. Um, we give children evidence-based interventions to to enhance their positive emotions, and they 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 you know they figure out has it helped. Uh, which ones do they like and they it's the idea of a positive emotion pro, uh, potion in third class fourth class one of my favorites well I do like all the levels I have to say is um, tools resilience so that's where we put in the um, concept of resilience we looked at six different um, strategies for developing resilience and we devised them into tools so uh, distraction healthy distraction is a tool for example um, using their character strengths again mindfulness is a tool as well for resilience. And then in fifth class, uh, we took the theme of relationships. So positive relationships, um, the idea that um, to help children to develop skills around relationships, so conflict resolution skills, uh, the idea of empathy, respect, uh, giving to others, listening, active listening. So again, you know, to tell the children how important relationships are and to give them skills to actually enhance their own positive relationships this is the fifth class. And then in sixth class, we, we pull it all together, really, and it's about, uh, it's called empowering beliefs. So it's the idea of your beliefs about yourself and how powerful they are. So it's the idea, again, there's helpful self-talk in there. Again, they're thinking about, um, you know, their relationships to others. And um, again, looking back over the programme and, and pulling it all together in sixth class. So <laughs> there's a lot in it. It's 10 lessons for each year level. So you've mentioned uh, second class through to sixth class. Mm -hmm. um, is there scope for expanding weaving well-being into the future in the future for, for possibly the uh, infants to first class and yeah. in secondary schools? Yeah, there definitely is, Tara. And uh, I suppose we started in second class because the school I work in starts in second class. We don't have infants there, so when I was trying stuff out, or you know, when I was working there, um, I just wouldn't have been familiar with the infants to first class. But you know, there's definitely you know it's definitely something we'll work on. Um, we we do have ideas for. Uh, developing it's just to get the time to do it and I am actually working on a um, second level program at the moment because again just to be able to for the kids to be able to transfer those skills up so I'm working on a second level program now called Wired for Wellbeing do you like my alliteration <laughs> yeah. and it's based on again positive psychology but there's a bit more neuroscience in it so it's the idea okay. that um, to tell children what's going on in their brains so you know they learn about their amygdala they learn about certain um, neurotransmitters that are associated with well-being. And just to just to give them, you know, more of a you know a grounding in the the science behind it as to why you might be doing those activities, what's actually happening in your brain. I think in second level, they're you know hopefully they they be able for those kind of concepts. It's being piloted at the moment in a number of schools, so I'm just waiting for the feedback back from that, and then I'll be. Um, reviewing it and, and doing my final edits so I'm excited about that now. So tell me a bit about the evidence that uh, is behind the Weaving Wellbeing programme. 
Okay, so Weaving Wellbeing is an evidence-based program. So it's based on the field of positive psychology, which, as I said, is the science of wellbeing. And that's, that's the great thing about positive psychology. It is based on science. So there's a lot of research on wellbeing, different interventions, different strategies, and none of them fit into the field or are accepted in unless there is the research behind them. So we looked at particular interventions and looked at the research behind them. They're all in the teacher's book. People can look up that research themselves. So say gratitude... Um, there's a lot of research around, you know, um, have what having an attitude of gratitude, the benefits that it can bring. Uh, flow is another one of the concepts that we introduce in, in third class. And again, the, you know, the, the the idea of flow has loads of research behind it. So each one of the interventions is research based in and of itself. So you know, the package that we put together um, has all those evidence based um, interventions in them. And then, of course. What we want going forward is to have more research on the, the programme as a whole, our particular approach to putting these interventions together. We do have one piece of research so far from a student from a teacher who was studying a master's in Mary Immaculate College in Limerick. But it was a very small research study. She was just working with her own class and she researched the tools of resilience and found very, very positive effects, uh, particularly on anxiety scores and on levels of positive effect and self-efficacy and language of well-being, loads of different things that she researched there. So that was our first independent piece of research on the programme. Uh, we are very, very much looking forward to more being done. Um, as we speak, there is, there is possibly research being rolled out. Um, I, I can't, I'm not 100% sure, sure about that yet, but hopefully that'll be happening soon. So we very much welcome. So if anyone's doing a master's or a PhD uh, and is looking for something to do it on, please contact us because we do want more research. But we feel it's so, so important because, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that maybe isn't research-based that teachers might, might be accepting into their classrooms and not realising that there isn't research behind it. So I think once you start studying it and, and do a master's and go through all that process, you become quite rigorous mm. and quite critical in your thinking as to what, but where is the research to show that this works? That, and I think teachers right. should should very much be, be looking for that behind anything that they do. There is a danger of superficiality uh, yes. in teaching that something yes. might look good. Very or true. the children might say, oh yeah, that was a fun experience. But yes. then the real question is, what did they learn? Exactly. Or what is, the, what is the use of this display, for example? Yes. Is it necessary? Yeah. Is it of any use yeah, to the so children because style uh, over substance yeah. is very much part of our culture now isn't it so that's right you so know so it, that it wouldn't come into teaching i think it would be important for us to hold our ground on that you know what i mean and to, to try and figure out what exactly mm-hmm. are the outcomes here what are we trying to achieve and and sometimes um you know the process isn't that pretty sometimes in some of our teaching do you know what i mean so we shouldn't be getting hung up maybe on um you know how things appear or you know just the superficiality of things i suppose yeah. as well you know we do need to question everything we yeah. do just yeah. to make sure that yeah. it is the best yes. thing that we can do for the True. children in our classroom and sometimes um you know with the best will in the world i see teachers doing things i i did them myself i suppose without realizing that the research maybe wasn't there the idea of positive affirmations for example uh you know telling children maybe that they're amazing or they're fantastic the research has shown now that that can be very detrimental to children with low self-esteem. I was very shocked to hear that. And also, you know, I don't think that's being, you know, that, that, that that's not being disseminated out into schools because, you know, people are still doing it. So, you know... I think it, children can spot false praise. False praise. Very, and very they true. can yeah. easily recognise the, yes. s- the sincere praise. And it doesn't, it just... It, it, and not only is it not doing them any good, it can actually be damaging to children with low, very low self-esteem because they just don't feel it. So just to be aware of that, that really we should be focusing on self-efficacy and self-compassion instead of self, you know, instead of self-esteem. So stuff like that, um, you know, just to check out 
research before we, we you know, start doing interventions in our classroom is very important. You mentioned uh, earlier that uh, if anyone out there is considering a master's or a PhD that they might research uh, into the area of mm. well-being, would you be considering a PhD yourself or, oh, any, or any further study? Um, I think my husband would have words with me if I decided <laughs> that. Oh, no. I I. I have so much on my plate at the moment, I suppose, because I'm I'm doing a lot of talks. Um, I'm I'm doing the secondary program I'd like to do, um, a parent a parent program, a parent book. So maybe if at some point I <laughs> feel I can fit it in time wise, but um, at the moment, no. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's so it's such a lengthy process, isn't it? Mm. Um, and it's just I mean, I'm still working full time. Um, I just have to prioritize, you know. Uh, what I what I do and I suppose this, the, what I'm doing at the moment it's growing so much and I want to give it, it, my all to to developing it as much as I can the, the parental side of it now is becoming a bigger uh, part because I'm doing a lot of parent talks um, I've got a talk called raising resilient children approaches from positive psychology and again I'm you know uh, giving parents some ideas from positive psychology um, to help their children become resilient so you know there's just so much scope for for using the material that I already have so I do a PhD but I wouldn't rule it out completely and you mentioned there um, because you have very little time because you're so busy that you won't consider at the moment the, the further study but that kind of leads me into my next question again about time and the time available uh, to primary school teachers my uh, initial concern not concern but I suppose my, my initial thoughts on uh, the weaving wellbeing program when I first heard about it was it sounds fantastic and I'd love to implement it in my classroom but where am really I going to, going to find the time? I have the, the RSC and the walk tall and yeah. to stay safe. So how would I successfully integrate weaving wellbeing into my classroom without sacrificing the, the core content mm. of the other programmes? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's something teachers always think of when we have a new, new programme lands or a new intervention lands. It's like, where am I going to fit that in? And I suppose as a teacher myself, it was my starting point was to make it very, very teacher friendly because I knew that if it wasn't teacher friendly, no matter how good it was for kids, teachers wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it myself because I, I, we're too overloaded. But I suppose the good thing about it is that it is very um, structured in terms of its 10 weeks. So you can very much fit it in. In our school, we do it in term one. I would recommend term one or term two just to get the most out of it. And then, you know, your stay safe, your RSE, all of that can be can be tied in then for the rest of the the, the year um, if you do the 10 lessons early in the year I suppose you do the formal lessons and I suppose the weaving well-being the idea of the weaving is the idea that you get the most out of those concepts then for the rest of the year that you're weaving them in that the transfer of skills will happen hopefully after that the children start to generalize what they're learning and use the skills after that so it's very distinct I suppose 10 weeks and then hopefully it'll bloom from then in your classroom and you'll yeah. see the benefits of it also there's a lot of scope for integration um, you know, you can do art, um, there's a lot of uh, oral language in it, I know or the oral language curriculum, so it gives a lot of scope for, for talk and discussion, and you know, there's free writing in it as well, and, and drama, so you can integrate it, but I suppose what I would say, and when I go into schools, I, I, I show the research knowing that emotional well-being is the strongest predictor of happiness and success in life for children. Uh, how emotionally uh, well they were in childhood and academic success is, is the least so I feel I have to bang that drum a lot uh, I feel you know if, if more teachers knew this research they'd be um, you know to justify spending the time on this it, it will it's not a, a, you know it's not an either or situation because when you do a program like Weaving Wellbeing or whatever 
way you're, you're, you're enhancing well-being in your class. Uh, research shows that children's academic results do rise as well, uh, which is an interesting correlation. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because a child who's stressed or anxious or uh, unhappy in some way probably can't really learn that well anyway. That's right. So I think it's all about the frame of mind and yeah. your current openness exactly. to learning. To learning, exactly. So when you get that right, so if you can spend the time doing that, you know, it's win-win. You'll, you'll get the benefits back. So even though you might spend a little bit more time, I know we only have the half an hour a week, but <laughs> you know if you can justify putting it in under your your art or whatever, I think the payback is so worth it. Obviously, I would say that, having done it for the last few years, but you know I see it in schools where you know it's just to give the children to, to that um, you know the, to shine that bit of positivity, to give them that that idea of of uh, looking after their well being and. You know, just the the outcomes, as I said, the benefits of it are are fantastic. But I do I do take your point about the overload curriculum. And the other good thing about the program is that um, there's a PowerPoint for each lesson. So when we tried to make it teacher friendly, uh, it was very much about the teacher should be able to pick it up, put the PowerPoint on, the whole lesson is there, and then the children have their activities, and there's a parental guide as well. And again, what we're finding is a lot of teachers are coming back and saying that they're enjoying it, and it's given them that little bit of a boost as well, and that they're using the strategy. Yeah. So if you can do that for teachers as well, you know, it's it's win win as well. Win win. So. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so um, just to go back to your uh, part of your the first part of your answer there, you think the best part of the year to teach or to implement the program will be at the very beginning. Yeah. So they, they can benefit from it for exactly. the remainder of the year. Not necessarily the very beginning. It takes a while, doesn't it, to get to know your class, maybe two weeks, three weeks, even if you wanted to start it. So first term, I think, mm. is ideal because I think because it just lays that little um, bedrock of of positivity into your class, you know, and you can just get so much out of it then afterwards. You can just, you know, mine it like the character strengths I always feel like are gold mine when you when you teach character strengths to your kids. So the earlier you can do it the better. Um, second term is fine as well it's just if you left it to the third term you probably just wouldn't be getting as much out of it because you wouldn't get the opportunity to to uh, to weave it in, yeah. into, into the daily life of the kids and it would be nearly treated as an afterthought yeah exactly exactly so that's just our recommendation you know just to get the most out of it what would you say are the biggest challenges facing primary and secondary teachers in today's climate yeah I suppose we've touched on them haven't we the, the kind of initiative overload Planning overload just seems to be, I mean, if I think back to when I started teaching in 1987, it's just completely unrecognisable, the level of planning and preparation that would be expected now. I think I had, I don't want to even admit the, the level of planning that we used to do in those days. Um, and, and I just wonder sometimes, like, are the outcomes that different now? Do we need the, the level of planning? Um, I just feel with every subject now, it's, it's just multiplying, isn't it, in terms of the... How, how necessary how, is how necessary the paperwork? Is the paperwork exactly. obviously it's like a, a minimal amount of planning exactly. is important because uh, we important. know what we're doing. However, mm. when we're asked or expected to do mm. more than we, as professionals, judge to be necessary, yes. we have to ask ourselves: Is yeah. it good for us? Is it of any use to the children? So true, Who is it for? Who is it for? So true. And one of the you know one of the biggest indicators of teacher well-being is autonomy. So, you know, to trust teachers, teachers know, I think teachers know their students and they know what to do and they know, you know, they will do their level of planning and just to trust that it is being, you know, 
the, the people they have the best interest of the children in mind and you do you, you do kind of know don't you you know what yeah. what level of planning works well for you yeah. and you know i think if, if we're continually you know getting the structure that we have to go through that that just is so time consuming where is that time going to come from you know is it going to come from uh actually looking for the resources you know so you know you do have to spend time looking for resources and and find you know finding resources for your class and, and, you, know, and you only have time, so much time all of this time will come outside of the 25 hours class contact yes, time it's going to be happening course, in yeah. teachers yeah. personal time personal and time, if, yeah. if the expectations mm-hmm. for that sort of excess paperwork yeah. are too high yeah that will really dig in or eat in yeah. to personal time and personal mm-hmm. time is mm-hmm. personal time it is um, I don't know of many other jobs where when you leave you're still re- oh, yeah. requi- required mm. to be working true true and we already have you know because of the nature of our job we already have a huge uh, an emotional component of our job so when we leave we were never really switched off because all the emotions of the day and you're worried about a certain child or a certain child did something and you're like oh what can i do about that so we already have that so yeah. you know and then to add paperwork in on top of that you know and i think we should learn from other countries like the likes of britain the uk and uh, you know where they have paperwork has just gone to such a crazy level hasn't it there that they have a huge problem with uh, teacher retention teacher retention and burnish i think the, the the figure often quoted regarding um teacher retention in britain is that a lot of teachers or the majority of teachers might only last five years it's crazy as i don't want to say the majority i don't have the figures yeah no but i know it, it's, 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 yeah, yeah yeah and again it's to do with workload it's to do with paperwork and again when you go into teaching you don't go into teaching because you're looking forward to doing loads of paperwork and planning, you know, mm. uh, you go in for so for the for the aspect of you know, making a difference to kids' lives and meaning and all those things that sometimes get eroded. You know, you can forget about those things, and they're the yeah. things that really mo- probably motivate teachers and keep them going. And when you lose sight of that, which can happen if you're overloaded with paperwork and planning, um, that's where I suppose burnout could happen. So I think we just have to be very, very, very careful. But again, I think we have to trust ourselves, you know, trust ourselves as a teacher, mm. as teachers, as to what level we're, we're happy to do, you know. And we do really know what's best for us yeah. and what's best for the learners in our classroom. Exactly. I remember watching a programme called Tough Young Teachers. Uh, I'm not sure what channel it was on. I think BBC Three. Um, and what really struck me on one of the episodes was that the teachers were staying in school till until eight o'clock um, at night regularly wow. and I don't understand how mm. anyone would choose yes. to do that it's so sad. when they know that they're required by their system to stay that long just um, because of the paperwork re- re- absolutely and that's why they burn yeah. out and, and they leave and why is nobody asking the questions uh, is this sustainable is this is this what really what what we feel is um acceptable um, to ask teachers to do this it's, it's not acceptable it's it's untenable and it hasn't it's not that bad here and we do have flexibility at least here and we have more autonomy I think as well and I think it'd be very yeah. sad if, if we lost any of that because I think it's what you know it's it's a very high you know it's a, a great motivating factor for teachers the fact that we we do have that bit of flexibility and autonomy for and now for now yeah so hopefully it will there, there is a worry I think in the teaching profession in Ireland that we often copy what hasn't worked in different countries yes. and we try to implement it here yes. even though we know well that it didn't work yeah. or maybe the people who are telling us to implement it 
have ignored the fact yeah. that it doesn't work yeah. well. Yeah, and but again, it, yeah, sorry, that's, go on. that's where you'd like to see the research. You know, you'd like to see well if they are going if a new initiative is to be rolled out. I'd love to see well, was a piloted somewhere. You know, did a huge number of teachers do it for a certain amount of time, and and and, and where, where what was the impact? What was the impact on the students, and what was the impact on the teachers? Where's the trade-off? You know, where is the where are these you know studies? Show, you know, are we being, is that being used? Do you know what I mean? Are we, are we finding out, do these things work before we're being asked to do them, you know? so. And if we don't important. ask those questions, we end up doing things that are no use yeah. To, yeah. to anybody. Yeah. And it does cause stress it does. and burn, it does lead to yeah. burnout. Yeah. And I do feel sorry for younger teachers now, maybe, who are, at least I came up through a system where I didn't have to do that. So I was able to develop in a certain way. That, that I wasn't completely overwhelmed by paperwork early on so now I kind of feel strong enough in myself to know what works and doesn't work but maybe if you didn't have a chance to do that um, it, would, it might be harder to, to find your, your voice as a teacher or, or to find your, your style as a teacher um, if you don't have that little bit of um, I suppose flexibility or um, you know the idea that you could find those things out for yourself you know. What book within the field of education would you recommend and why? Uh, yeah, there's uh, some great books, but I suppose talking about what we were just talking about, which is uh, the overload of, of, you know, the overload of initiatives and curriculum. Um, I read a great book and I, I always recommend it in any of the teacher courses I do. It's an American book and it's called Unwritten, the Story of a, a Living System. And it's by a neuropsychologist, Laurie Dissotel's and Michael McKnight, I think they're both teachers as well, and they're very much um, looking at the American system and you know asking questions, those questions that we were asking there, the idea of the workload, the idea of the initiatives, the idea of the planning, and saying maybe you know maybe we need should be looking at the education system in a different way. Uh, the idea that it's a living system, it's 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 based on ideas of relationships, connection. Um, looking after well-being um, and schools are not machines teachers are not that that mechanistic approach isn't necessarily right so it's a really interesting book um, again it's based on the American system but because our system is changing so much I think it's an interesting one to read and it's very practical as well so so what you can do in, in a whole school uh, situation and also in your classroom to kind of develop uh, so to kind of have the priority of you know relationships connection uh, a more holistic approach and I think the Irish system has always been very holistic you know I when I started teaching it was I felt it was a very holistic profession and I you know I'd like to see us being able to continue that um, and not lose sight of that so that book is very much kind of flying the flag for that approach so it's interesting to to read it and I'm glad you said that the book um, was practical because teaching is a practice and theory can only go so far if um, a lot of educational researchers are focused mainly on the theory and some educational researchers yes. might not have ever taught in a classroom or have had a teaching qualification so that kind of removes them from the practical element mm -hmm. but when you say that the, a book that you're reading has theory and mm -hmm. has practical approaches mm -hmm. recommended within it I think that makes for a very attractive book for, yeah. for teachers to read. Good, it's a nice mix and they, they, they recount some little anecdotes from their own teaching and you know what they might have done differently they're very open as well as maybe things that they did wrong and they would do it differently now so it's very very readable but i just love the approach at the heart of it is the idea that schools are places of relationships connection and um, that's that's what we should be focusing on and we shouldn't ever lose sight of that you know brilliant 
So in terms of teaching in general, what is your what, what is your priority for next year? I suppose my priority is to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, as I said, I really am enjoying my teaching this year, uh, the last few years since I started to kind of, you know, encompass positive psychology into it. So I want to keep doing what I'm doing and I want to uh, work as well on the, as I said, expanding the programme, uh, doing more work with parents, um, doing more work with teachers, more uh, workshops and just um, just bringing that kind of research, those ideas to to a wider audience. And, and again, within, within my own school setting to, to keep doing that as well. Do you think that um, there is scope for a weaving wellbeing to be expanded into the different countries? Yeah, well, actually, it has actually been signed up for Australia. It was signed up for Australia there last year um, for, for distribution in Australia. So um, a publishing company there has taken it on and it's in the, they're in the process of um, adapting it to the Australian um, the curriculum context. Oh, okay. context. So that's really exciting for us, Brilliant. especially for Australia, because Australia are known as being, you know, the pioneers probably in well-being and positive psychology in, in schools, positive, positive education. So and a, and a lot of well-being programs used here are Australian. So to have an Irish program going to Australia now is, is a great, great feeling. Um, so I haven't seen uh, the, the how they've adapted it as yet. So I suppose once we see how it's adapted and then it will be uh, being used in, in Australian schools. So that's so, so exciting for us. And it shows that it's transferable as well. If, if an Australian um, publishing company are interested, you know, we feel that because they are universal skills coming from the field of positive psychology, they are general universal skills. So they are people are people, people who are, are wherever people. they're from exactly so definitely yeah well congratulations on expanding to australia yes thank you very much so what would be what, what would you say is the best thing about being a teacher yeah back to the relationships really isn't it i i, I uh, you know when you make a connection with a child or children it's just an amazing feeling isn't it the feeling that Absolutely. You, you might be able to make a difference to a child um uh is, is just amazing uh, that potential and when I look back on what I enjoy about teaching it it's it's never really a particular subject <laughs> or a particular lesson it's always about oh you know the, the chat you had with that child or how you helped that child to work something out or um you know the feeling that maybe you made some difference uh, like just before Christmas I a little girl arrived at my door and um, I taught her last year and she'd had some she had a difficult situation last year when she was in my class and you know again we can't that's what i'm talking about the life circumstances you can't control that you can just try and bring as much positivity and care into your own interactions with children and you don't know if it's ever going to be enough and, and sometimes it isn't um but she arrived at my door smiling and gave me a little card just to say i'm doing so much better now thanks so much for everything you did and it was a beautiful little card and, and i didn't expect her to to, to turn up like that and also I wasn't aware that it had actually helped her so much you know when you're in the midst of, of, of doing stuff you, you, you don't sometimes you can't see the wood from the trees but um that little moment where you feel wow that, that did make a difference I, I don't know many jobs that you could feel that in really could you yeah I do I can't think of any other job that you could have that sort yeah, of experience yeah. and that really your your example there really illustrates how children are more likely to remember the way you made them feel that's exactly than anything else in your classroom yeah. obviously they will retain or you'd hope they <laughs> retain what uh, they learned through the subjects yes. but it's the feelings yeah. that they the feeling, prob yeah. probably can recall yeah. 
yeah, before so anything true. else. And that we have such power. And again, we, we are, I read somewhere, we are the instigators of the, the atmosphere in our classrooms. You know, we do have that power. So if we come in, and again, that's where the well-being for teachers starts, doesn't it? If you come in feeling positive and you know, feeling resilient and feeling, you know, that you've been able to look after yourself, you can spread that kind of positivity to the kids and you've more to give to them. You that, know? That's right. And we've all had our bad days when we come in and... I think if we're going to be honest, we can all admit that on our bad days, we haven't been the best teacher we can be, purely because yeah. our frame of mind is wrong, yes. our mindset is wrong, yes. and the domino effect yeah. there is that yeah. the children's learning or the children's exactly. experience that they will be affected yeah. negatively. Yeah. And again, that's an important point, because I think, again, um, one of the new concepts, I'm, well, not a new concept, but a, study, a concept I'm studying a lot lately is self-compassion. And I really, I think it underpins so much in, in well-being. And again, for teachers, you know, the idea that we have to be kinder to ourselves, self-compassion. So when you talk about having those bad days, we're, we are human, you know, human first, uh, teacher second. That's <laughs> and, right. uh, you know, to realise that we are going to have those bad days and that's okay. You know, sometimes we set enormously high standards for ourselves that are not reachable. Not only we're setting them for ourselves, other people are then setting them for us. So it's up to us to say, you know what, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to reach that standard. That's fine. I'm going to do, I'm going to be good enough today at what I'm doing. And, and that's going to be enough, you know, and, and just to give ourselves, cut ourselves that little bit of slack. Mm. I think that's what helps you keep going as a teacher because you, you, you know, our to-do list is never, ever, ever going to be done. So it's making peace with that is, part, is a huge part of it that you didn't get one of your subjects taught or you didn't get all your planning done or you know you didn't get your display board done that's part of the job and I, I, I hope I don't know if that's you know student teachers are taught that that the idea that that's what it's going to be like you know you're never going to get to the end of your yeah. to-do list and you're just going to have to be accept and be compassionate to yourself well, that is a lovely message to finish uh, this podcast on so Fiona thank you very much, uh, much for sure. coming and, and participating in the interview thanks a million um, I learned a lot from, from listening to you uh, and great. I really, pre- I really appreciate what I learned and congratulations on the podcast and best to look with it in the future so thanks very thanks much thanks a million Dara thank you thank you and that's where we'll leave it for this episode a massive thank you goes out to Fiona for agreeing to be featured on the podcast I learned a lot from talking to Fiona and it's clear that she really is passionate about well-being and teaching. If you'd like to learn more about the Weaving Wellbeing programme, you can check out www.otb.ie forward slash WWB. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and I'd be delighted if you could share a link to this episode on social media. You can read my blog at www www.matterseducational.ie where you'll also find links to follow Matters Educational on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast to talk about something that interests you in the world of teaching, you can get in contact with me through social media or by sending an email to mattereducationalireland at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.